He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you today. And guys, we have to start off the show on kind of a sad note. Tom Weiskopf, the one-time major champ, uh, dead at 79. What an amazing career. And Woody, I want to go to you to ask you about this because you met him a couple times and, and kind of played in the same era. So Woody, I- I'm curious... Number one, what was Tom Weiskopf like? And number two, I'm just curious whether you think he's the greatest player to only win one major. Wow, great question there. Um, Weiskopf in his playing days, I got to play one time with him, uh, extremely focused, um, didn't talk much, um, had a little bit of a temper, probably one of the prettiest golf swings I've ever seen. Um, Once he got done kind of playing – he was a lot more fun to be around. Uh, I did get to bend his ear a little bit about uh, course design one time at uh, in Phoenix, where he and Morris did that uh, at PGA, uh, uh, where they play the tournament um, at TPC course there in Phoenix. Uh, he and Jay Morris designed it, and a very intelligent man. Golly, you guys, I think you guys would really have enjoyed talking to him. Very, very astute. Um, only spoke what he wanted to speak about something he cared about, and other than that, you aren't going to get anything out of him. T Dub, what what are your thoughts on that? That him being the best major or best player to only win one major. I mean, obviously winning the nineteen seventy three British Open at Royal Troon. Of guys that are done playing, I think he has to be at the top. And obviously, we weren't alive back then, T-Dub, but we hear the greats of the game, like a player or a Nicholas, um, you know, Palmer and Trevino. They all talk so highly about Tom Weisskopf. He, he seems like kind of the guy that was always the bridesmaid and only the bribe one time. Well, it's an interesting question, Sam. You know, it's something I hadn't really thought about. You know, we always talk about the guys who have won – uh, no majors, and who's the best enough to do that? I'll just rattle off some other names here to be in the category just for people listening. Orville Moody would be in that category. Mark Kalkovecchia, Bob Tway, Hal Sutton, Craig Stadler, Fred Couples, Tom Kite, Paul Azinger, th- those those types of names would be in there. Davis Love um, the Third, you know, somewhere along there. And then obviously the modern guys like uh, Stinson, Jason Day, Adam Scott would be in there as well. But I think Weisskopf has to be in there. I mean, he had just an absolute unbelievable career finished second guys in in five majors and four of those were the masters in 69 72 74 and 75 he was the runner-up at augusta so that does suck that he was not able to get a green jacket during this time but just absolutely stellar career won 16 times on the pga tour and like woody mentioned he had designed a lot of great golf courses uh, most notably more than likely is probably a uh, true north out in scottsdale so just uh, definitely a legend that will be missed passed away at 79 you know our prayers are out to it his family and friends hopefully they can get through this rough time and golf will be uh, missing a legend soon and Woody one more on Tom Weiskopf from you from a teaching perspective I, I always hear guys say that Tom Weiskopf was one of the greatest ball strikers of all time Woody from your perspective what did he do so consistently that made him such a great ball striker he was 
six foot three. He was a big man, a big man. But his posture and his setup was probably as pretty as any I'd seen in golf. He also was very simple with his golf swing. It was very wide. It didn't have, it didn't look like it had a lot of power, but it really did. In his era, he and Nicholas hit long irons better than anybody I'd ever saw. They could, both those guys could hit it so high with a long iron. And I'm, I'm talking about ones and twos and three irons, which you don't, you don't see many of those anymore. And back in those days, guys, those, those clubs looked like a butter knife. They were mm-hmm. so tiny and the sweet spot was so minimal that to hit them in the middle and hit them high was extremely difficult to do. And he and Nicholas did it better than anybody. I would tell you that Tom Weisskopf had one of the simplest golf swings you'll ever see. And if, if you've never watched it, Google it. Uh, you, can, you can Google everybody's golf swing at some point, and they'll show you. You can Google it up and see swings that he made. He was phenomenal ball striker. And he was not a bad putter. And I guess like anything, those guys that teed up ripped off that won one major, they were close in a lot of other times. Nicholas cut his heart out in 1975 when he made about a 45-footer on 16 to basically just killed both Johnny Miller and Tom Weisskopf. They were both sitting right there, and it looked like it was going to be a fight with them. And then here came Nicholas Roaring in there, and he got that what was what we thought would probably be his last Masters until '86. Um, it was it was fun to watch, but you almost had to feel sorry for Tom Weisskopf. He was he was so good, but couldn't close anything. Just like T. Dub said, he's just a bridesmaid. No doubt, Tom Weiskopf, unfortunately, passing away at 79 years old, guys. But, by the way, go to GrooveItBrush.com and get the greatest club cleaner ever made. Go to GrooveItBrush.com and enter promo code 73RDHOLE, that's 73RDHOLE, and get the greatest club cleaner ever made with water in the middle and the greatest bristles ever uh guys let's get into something a little bit more fun let's go to the bmw championship um at wilmington country club patrick cantlay guys is the champion again in the playoffs and to me i mean patrick cantlay he's one of those guys it's like you you got to consider him with tom brady and michael jordan i mean this guy just dominates the playoffs right guys but he goes out and shoots two under yesterday and finishes at 14 under to beat scott stallings by one t-dub but where i really saw patrick cantlay win the golf tournament is on the greens i mean he gains 1.67 shots putting yesterday and scott stallings loses 2.11 shots on the greens i think that's kind of where uh the one shot difference was right t-dub oh i absolutely agree sam i mean that we're about, first of all we're going to start calling the bmw championship the patrick cantley championship because right. he just absolutely dominates this tournament it's been pretty stellar but yeah absolutely like you mentioned i'll just go with, with cantley to start off with and i want to get into the stallings here in just a little bit but you know cantley obviously on 17 hit that hit that really good wedge shot in there to about you know just a little over five feet but they would make a birdie that's really what solidified his win but on 14 he had a really good uh, lag putt whenever he hit the par five and two and was able to make a birdie there so i think that just played very very steady on the back nine didn't really do anything extremely spectacular he had some good uh, chip shots that allowed him to preserve his round but going to uh, scott stallings guys i mean he's got to be absolutely kicking himself today. I understand he moved up uh, really far into the FedEx Cup rankings. He moved all the way up 
to, I believe, 12th. So, I mean, he from 46 to 12th. So, second place actually did him very good. But, guys, on the, on the back nine, he missed seven putts inside 18 feet. He missed a 12-footer on 10, a 14-footer on 12. He three-putted 13, uh, missed about a 10-footer there, uh, missed a 15-footer on 15, 17-footer on 16, 18-footer on 17, and missed a nine-footer on 18, guys. So, I mean, Sam's absolutely right, Woody. I mean, if Scott Stallings could have putted, he would have won this tournament by three or four shots. Well, at least on the final round. Well, do you guys notice a pattern? Every time we come on this show after a golf tournament, the guy that ends up winning it, he gets the right breaks, which I still think the break that that, that Cantley got on 17 where that ball skipped over that bunker, caught that down, so it rolled out there. Woody, let's talk about that way. for a second. I mean, what what a, what a fortunate break. Not only does it misses, miss the bunkers, it goes all the way down there. I mean, that was one of the greatest members' bounces of all time in a clutch situation, right? Well, it, it, it's what we talk about all the time. The guy that makes the putts at the right time, but he also has to get the right breaks. And that is why we love golf, because nobody knows what's going to happen that ball at best case should have been in rough uh, at worst case should have been up against the lip but it's not it's dead in the middle of the fairway and kudos to Cantley. he whipped it in there about six seven feet knocked the ball right in the hole and then the the fairway bunker he hits on 18 phenomenal fairway bunker and most people at 40 feet putting for almost three million dollars how much pressure there is on everything that ball should have gone in feet uh, so he always seems to gel at the right time tw's right you are too sam when you said he's a playoff son of a gun but when that putter gets hot with cantley he's as dangerous as anybody on tour so that 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 flat stick we go back to it all the time and that's why our listeners should be practicing putting not practicing hitting drivers. <laughs> Putting solves all your problems. And if you practice and you get good at it, you'll be surprised how much better your scores will be. Yeah, Woody, I can't really remember a bad player that's a that's a really good putter, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I can't think <laughs> of one, right? Um, uh, no, no. Let, no let's, it doesn't uh, happen. T-Dub, let's go to some implications that happened yesterday because Xander Shoffley missed the birdie putt on 18, and that was big for Tour Championship implications because if he would have made it, Cantlay would have been at the top spot at Eastlake, but he missed it, and now it's Scheffler in the top spot. And so now the Tour Championship will shake out like this. It will be Scotty Scheffler in first, Patrick Cantlay in second, Will Zalatoris in third, Xander Shoffley in fourth, and Sam Burns in fifth, and Cam Smith is in sixth if he plays in the Tour Championship, T-Dub. Rory McIlroy is in seventh, Tony Finau, Sepp Straka, and Sung J M round out your top ten, John Rahm lurking right back uh, one shot out of the top ten. And so, T-Dub, to me, I mean... <laughs> Yes, I like it that, you know, certain putts that normally wouldn't mean anything do have implications in the playoffs. But at the same time, I'm thinking Patrick Cantlay just wins the golf tournament, but he's still not going to be in the top spot. But Will Zalatoris won the first playoff event, but he's in the top spot. It, it makes no sense to me, and I and I cover it very closely. To me, if I was a casual fan, it would be very, very confusing to watch this. 
You know, it's interesting because it, I like the extra dynamic of it, you know, having the point system and trying to figure out, you know, oh, well, if a putt misses here, then they, it can vault something. I might actually like that dynamic, but I, I, I do agree with someone, Sam, just because it is fairly confusing. It, it's so hard to keep up with it. You know, I didn't even realize that uh, that Xander's putt mattered that much until a few hours even after the tournament happened. So, you know, it would have been nice to be able to kind of have that stuff more in real time. I, I'm sure they could figure out some way to have that. You know, obviously, I don't want to bring up Liv that much, but, you know, how Liv has it on the on the uh, left side of the screen all the time, the leaderboard have something somewhere similar to that where they can, you know, show the projections. If this putt goes in, it does this. If he misses, it does this. I think that would be now, pretty cool, know, but honestly, did, just get. They did have the scorecards where it would say where guys were, but they mainly did it for the bubble guys. You know what I mean? Like through 14 holes, he would be out, out of the tour championship right now. They did do that. I just want to give them credit for that. Well, yes. And, and a lot of that was, what had already happened in the past, right? Like they had shown where they were on the first hole, second hole, third hole. I'm talking more along, along the lines of what happens in the future. You know, if a guy okay. birdies this hole, and they talked about that a couple of times, but it just wasn't, wasn't extensive. I'm just talking about if they are going to have this kind of complex point system, something that in all honesty really doesn't make much sense because Scott Stallings, I understand he finished second, moved up to 12th, hasn't had a horrible year, but he's ahead of guys like Justin Thomas, Cam Young, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Max Soma, Hideki, all guys that have won at least a major or multiple times besides Cam Young. He finished a runner-up or inside the top three, I believe, seven times this year. So I don't know what he – this even kind of proves more on the long year point that these kind of – the season end point system, they kind of have a lot, really have too much weight on uh, on the finishes of these two or three tournaments. For sure they do, but this next week at East Lake is going to be really interesting to watch because they'll keep you a lot more up to speed because depending on what Scotty Kepler does or those first three guys, Cantley included, Will Kyle Torres, if they have kind of a bad tournament, Somebody from way back can come in and win that FedEx Cup because the point system on this last turn is even greater. So I hope they do a better job of telling us, okay, as we get towards Saturday and Sunday, what has somebody got to do? How do they got to move to get to the FedEx champion? Um, I, it, it, it's entertaining golf. It, it really is. And I, I enjoyed watching the BMW. Um and I'll watch Eastlake because I think it is fun to watch that because that is a, what is it this year, 18 million guys for winning it? $18 so, million, dollars, 6.5 for second, 5 million for third, 4 million on down the list. It gets, it gets pretty, pretty rowdy there, you know, on come Sunday when you're talking about $18 million on the line. So uh, these guys are all pros. They, they, you know, I'd like to say money doesn't make them nervous. It has to a little bit, but it will be fun to watch. As anything, if Scheffler's to lose, right, or we'll say Scheffler, Cantley, and Zalatoris to lose, because those other guys are going to start four, six, eight shots back. Golly, that's a lot to make up in 72 holes, unless those guys at the top just have a horrible event. I just don't think they will. Yeah, and T-Dub, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about the guys that were on the bubble. Um, let's first talk about the guys that were out that are now in. That would be Aaron Wise, Adam Scott, K.H. Lee, and Scott Stallings. Of the guys that were in that are now out, it goes J.J. Spawn, Tom Kim, Davis Riley, and Kevin Kisner. Um, Shane Lowry and Trey Mullinax stayed on the bubble but did not get in to the Tour Championship, T-Dub. By the way... 
Aaron Wise, I had him in my DraftKings lineup, all-time choke by Aaron Wise on Sunday. He's the only guy in the top 23 that shot over par on Sunday, and I had him as my best bet on Sunday on the radio show. I'm sorry to anyone that listened to the radio show. Hey, hey man, it happens. Hey, rightfully so. I mean, he was nervous. I mean, I, he was on the on the bubble and needed to feel like he needed to play good. Barely squeaked in ahead of, ahead of Shane Lowry. Someone like Trey Mullinax really would have benefited from getting to uh, to East Lake. So that kind of uh, stinks for him. But yeah, the guys that moved in, obviously Scott Stallings made the biggest jump going up from forty six to twelve. So good, good for him. He seems like a really cool guy. So I'm really rooting uh, for him going forward. KH Lee and Adam Scott both finished tied fifth, so that allowed them to move up as well. So, but out of all the guys who aren't in at East Lake, JJ Spawn has to be kicking himself by far the most. In the finishing guys, excuse me, thirty third on out of the on the FedEx points. And he, he had the lead at, at, uh, at, uh, in Memphis. So, I mean, it, that 77 on Sunday, Woody, is going to end up costing JJ Spawn a lot more than just what that, uh, at what we thought at Memphis. Yeah, because last place money at this top 30, I think it's 500,000. Isn't that right? That's what somebody It's said. somewhere along those lines. It, it, was, it was 350,000 last year, but I know they've increased it. Yeah, I think they increased it. I, I'll tell you the guy you've got to be the most impressed with in that whole group you just talked about. How about Adam Scott? Adam Scott has not missed the top 30 in 16 years. And not only, guys, did he make the top 30, he also secured a spot on the President's Cup team as well, Woody. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about clutch. Uh, What he did the last two weeks at Memphis and here, I mean, he went by all kinds of people to sneak into that top 30. But think about that. 16 straight years he's finished in the top 30. Uh, so, wow, I mean, that that doesn't get enough accolades, in my opinion. Now, I know didn't, he's, won the, he's won the Tour Championship at least once, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not that. sure about that, Woody. Has. I think he has. I think he's won it just one time in that 16 tries. But the simple fact he's gotten there 16 years in a row speaks volumes for how good Adam Scott really is. If Adam Scott can putt, like Patrick Cantley, or heaven forbid it, like Cam Smith, well, you'd be talking about another Tiger Woods. I mean, I totally agree with that, Woody. Uh, Let's go to the scores. I know you mentioned it a little bit, but it'll be Scotty Scheffler at 10 under, Patrick Cantley at 8 under. So that was a massive two-shot putt by uh, Xander Shoffley to knock his buddy uh, Cantley two (laughs) shots back of uh, Scheffler. And then you have Will Zalatoris at 7 Shoffley at six, Sam Burns at five, and then you have four or five guys at four under. You have Cam Smith, Rory McIlroy, Tony Finau, Seth Straka, Sung, Sung J M at four under, and then John Rahm at three, um, all the way down to uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick at three, and then Aaron Wise will be at even par along with K H Lee, J T Poston, Sahit Tagala, Adam Scott. All those guys will be at even par. Um, guys like Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa will be at two under and one under, respectively. Guys, I think I do like that they start like this. I think that that's the only way to give these guys an advantage. However, I don't like the fact that Shafle is, you know, kind of deciding where Cantlay finishes, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Because Cantlay did all he could do, right? 
Right. It's just, it's an interesting conundrum because Scotty Scheffler had a great tournament too. And he's had one of the best years that we have in recent memory. So you look at it and say, well, is Cantley's win worth more than Scheffler finishing third along with the year that he's had? So I think there's a little bit interesting dynamic there. I will say this about the Tour Championship. It's been funny because obviously with Liv, there's been a lot of discussions about what's an exhibition in golf. And I don't know, whenever you have a 30-man field and everyone starts with a certain handicap score, it feels a lot more like an exhibition to me than what Liv's been putting on. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, before I throw it to Woody, because I do want to say I looked this up, Adam Scott did win the Tour Championship, but he won it in 2006. So that was actually the last year that, they, uh, that the Tour Championship wasn't in the FedEx Cup playoffs because the FedEx Cup started in 2007. So you were... Basically right, Woody, but I didn't know if you were asking for and, Tour Championship or FedEx Cup because those are that, uh, technically different back then. That's what I was yeah, confused about, too. Woody, real quick, uh, you were right about the 500000 for last place, and then it goes up from there. They start to get into the millions at 10 uh, at tenth place, that that's one million, and then first place is eighteen million. So it just goes up from there. Uh, Woody, by the way, I I just want to ask you, you know, headed into a tour championship, if you're Scotty Scheffler or maybe a guy five shots back, how does your mindset change, and and is it kind of hard to start a tournament with a two shot lead? You know, I've never done it, so I can't really say. <laughs> that's right. I, I I would have to tell you guys, though, in my opinion here, I don't think they think about it that way. I think they look at it as a 72-0 event, and Scheffler, I don't think he's looking at that leaderboard, especially because it's it's 72 holes. There's It seems like a lot of shots to make up if you're way back down there at four or three or two under. But if Scheffler doesn't play good this week, lots of guys can pass him. So that's why this, I guess this event is probably fun to watch from the simple standpoint. It's Scheffler's to lose. And if he does, then who's going to come up and take it from him? If you, if you don't think Cantley's going to be on a roll going into Eastlake, you're nuts. Okay. We don't know about Cam Smith. We don't know about Wills, of course. They're both supposedly hurt. So those two are a big question mark. Shopley, he's shown signs of brilliance coming out of nowhere here in the last few years. So is that going to be entertaining golf? Yes, it will. And and the PGA Tour is loving it. They need it. Um, having all that said, we know that there's a lot of guys that we've heard rumors about that are going to maybe go after that tour championship. So this is going to be interesting to see what happens who finishes what, and then come Monday that next day, how many guys announce that they're going to live for that final, one of those final events coming up? Well, and Woody, we'll get to that a little later on. Alan Shipnuck, uh, you know, who we've talked a lot about, wrote the book about Phil. Um, he's reporting that seven guys who played in Memphis uh, will go to live after the Tour Championship. But guys, before we get to all of that stuff and the USAM, I, I do want to talk about Data Golf's percentages to win the Tour Championship. They have Scotty Scheffler at 34.3% uh, chance to win the FedEx Cup. They have Patrick Cantlay at a 14.8% chance. Then it drops down to Will Zalatoris at 9.6%, which I would stay away from considering not only the withdrawal and the, and the hip injury, but the putting didn't look very good when he did play before he withdrew. 
Um, then it drops down to Rory McIlroy and Xander Shoffley at 7%. Then it drops all the way down to 3% for John Rahm. So, guys, to me, it's a two-horse race. It's Scotty Scheffler versus Patrick Cantlay to start this golf tournament, according to the analytics. Obviously, they could both go out there and shoot 76, then we have a golf tournament. But um, it, it, barring anything like that happening, it looks like we might have a little match play going on, T-Dub. Yeah, it's gonna ta- it's gonna take a pretty spectacular run from someone uh, lower on, just because the the lead that these two are gonna have with the form that they're on, it's gonna be hard to catch them. Obviously, like I mentioned, if someone goes out there and plays really well, they could make a run. And someone who I who I do think will make a run, guys, is John Rom. He, he mentioned uh, that he was able to figure out something with his putting. He actually gained guys one point four four shots this last week on the field putting, lost some around the green, and actually lost some little bit of approach, but gained almost a full shot off the tee. So I really look for John Rom to sit down there and make a run. If anyone does, but I do agree with Sam Woody. I do think this is a two-horse two race in particular. I do think Scheffler, with that two-shot lead with how he's been playing, is the favorite. But two shots over the course of 72 holes can, be, can evaporate very, very quickly. Woody, any final thoughts on that? Well, we got to remember one thing. Scheffler was the odds-on favorite to win the Masters, if you guys remember that. He came out of the box and showed he was the guy and went out there and just – he beat everybody by a number of shots at, at Augusta. So I I have to believe that Scheffler is the guy to beat. Uh, the only reason why I'm still pretty high on Cantley is if that putter travels that 600 miles down to Atlanta from Wilmington, Delaware, and doesn't lose any uh, heat on it, Ooh, he's also a he's a threat. He he, those two. You're right. Those two can come out of the box. If they come out of the box well, it's a two man race. Guys, uh, let's go to. By the way, Woody, why don't you tell us about Quail Creek Bank before we get to the USM? Of course, we always talk about my good buddies there. Um, they also have something that people don't realize. I've been bragging about their small business loans, which are they're awesome at. Their ATMs have no fees. They don't charge any fees. No matter where you go to an ATM all over the country, there are no fees. And if your bank's charging you fees, it's just another one of those reasons to really think about calling Quail Creek Bank. We talk about how friendly they are. Until you go in and give them a try, you won't know. So if you have any banking needs right now that you're thinking about going to a new bank or changing banks, whatever it is, or if you just came into town and you're listening to us, and you haven't got a bank yet, I'd go to Quail Creek Bank if I was you. Guys, the USM at Ridgewood Country Club obviously had a Ryder Cup there in the past, way back in the 1930s. We've seen it in the in the playoffs back in 2018 when Bryson won. The greens were super fast. I really enjoyed watching this golf course. But, guys, Sam Bennett goes out and wins the USM. Um, and to me, guys, I think he was the best player in the field and and. You know, he had a crazy, crazy, you know, uh, match play list of guys that he beat throughout match play. And we'll get to that in a second. But let's start in the final round, T-Dub. He was five up through 21 holes. He was three up after the first 18 and then wins the 20th and 21st hole. And then we go all the way to the 30th hole where he wins the hole to go three up. And then he didn't win a hole after that, T-Dub. He kind of holds on. And to me, I think it's because he 
under pressure, he looks like one of those guys that just gets a little nervous, maybe, you know, regrips it and regrips it and regrips it and regrips it again, T Dub, and it just kind of to me, looked like he was trying a little too hard down the stretch to just close it out. But, I mean, we've seen it not only in the U.S. Junior Am, but the U.S. Girls Amateur as well. Oh, I mean, it, the, the amount of pressure that you have on yourself to close out a match is absolutely, uh, you know, it's so hard to measure. It's, it's really crazy. But at the end of the day, Sam, I mean, it's going this whole match is going to come down to what happened on the 31st hole. I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened before that. And even, even on the last couple of holes, it was very, very entertaining to watch. But the 31st hole, the par five, Absolutely crazy. Sam Bennett was in the middle of the fairway. Both of them were actually in the fairway. Sam Bennett hooks it out of bounds with his three wood. So then Ben Carr's up there. Don't just skip over the lady in the background giving it the fist pump when Ben Carr hooks it out of bounds. Oh, how funny is that video? (laughs) (laughs) I think we know who she was rooting for. Either she was a very close personal friend of Sam Bennett or she had some money on the match. There's no other... Other options there. I hope it was the second. I hope she was just a degenerate gambler gambling on the USM. All right, go ahead. But but Woody, how how in the world after Bennett hooks it out of bounds does Ben Carr not pull out the seven iron, put it in the middle of the fairway, then wedge it to fifteen feet and two putt to win the hole? It's absolutely astonishing to me that he did not do that. You know what? Sometimes when you're in that that heat of battle, but I thought his caddy would pull him off that. Uh, and, and I could agree with you more. That was fatal, a fatal mistake. And when you guys were talking about he was five up, I think one of the hardest things in match play is when you get way up. Because there's a part of you that says, okay, I, I just got to play conservative. I just can't screw this up. And usually that's when you do. Uh, you kind of get off what you've been doing and where he's been aggressive all day to get to five up. You could see him get a little bit nervous because everybody says, oh, well, he's got this one. You can't possibly lose when you're five up. Well, yeah, you can. Ask uh, Hank Keeney how he how it worked out for him playing Tiger. So it, it can happen. I'm telling you guys, as you play, you can't all of a sudden shift gears and say, okay, now I'm going to go into this um, comfort mode or uh, kind of cautious mode or whatever it is. You got five up because you were doing something right. Well, you keep that pedal down and you just keep going. I was always told early on by older guys that when I was first starting out match play, if you get them one down, you get them two down. You get them two down, you get them three down. You get them four down, five down, whatever it is. You cut their heart out and you stomp on it. And then you shake their hand when it's done. But you do not ever let up because that that momentum, as we know, could happen. If that car boy wins the 31st hole, we might have a different U.S. Amateur champion, wouldn't we? That's right. You probably do, to be honest, considering the momentum of that match. Um, by the way, Sam Bennett, I mentioned the guys that he beat in match play. In his first five match play matches, Everyone that he beat was ranked in the top 27 of World Amateur Golf Ranking. That was Gabrelchich. He beat in 19 holes. He beat the number one ranked college player, Fred Biundi. 
uh, six and five in the round of 32. And then he beats David Pooge, who is on the live tour four and two. We can get to him in a second. Um, and then beats Stuart Hagestad three and two in the quarterfinal. And then uh, went on to beat Dylan Menanti um, in the semifinals. And then obviously Ben Carr's ranked 70th in the world, guys. Um, but he was no slouch himself. Um, but to me, Sam Bennett just kind of came into that final match with the correct mindset. He was asked about beating all these great players after his semifinal match, and he said, they're all great players, but I'm a better player. Number three in the rankings, and I feel like I'm the best player I'm the best dog in this race, guys. And and he kind of even mentioned Kobe, like, job's not done after his semifinal match. He said, I'm not, I didn't come here to, you know, make the Masters. I came here to win the U.S. Amateur. And he kind of got off to that five-up five lead early, and it, it just seemed like Carr was just a little too far behind to kind of dig himself out of that hole, right, T-Dub? Yeah, Ben is too good of a player. Even when even when he was not having his best stuff coming down the stretch, he he still made some pretty good putts and did 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 a lot of things they needed to do to win. Obviously, the thirty first hole well, was not that, but yeah, I, I think that Ben in particular, I think he's going to end up being a really solid tour pro when it's all said and done. He's very very good medium to short iron player, and he makes a lot of fifteen to twenty footers. So I think that that is going to carry him a while, unless one of those aspects gets away because he's not in particular he's not the best driver of the ball in my opinion he misses a lot of shots right and, and like Sam has mentioned numerous times I couldn't agree more that he just he takes so long over the ball so not only can that affect you under pressure but like we saw in this match with Stuart Hagestad Woody he's going to get put on the clock a lot of times and that's going to put a lot of pressure on him to, to potentially not get struck I mean he's just as slow if not slower than Bryson he may even be on the Kevin Na's level and that's really saying something so I think he might need to start learn to kind of start speeding up or he's going to have some problems there it's it's what we've talked about before on this show if 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 you know we had the douchebag award last week um, <laughs> one of the biggest douchebags is off is the slow player it's the guy that can't pull the trigger they drive me crazy and and a lot of them do it on purpose i think that a lot of them do it just to get in the head of the guy they're playing but you're right. He, he's going to have to do something different uh, once he gets on tour. They're not notorious for dinging guys out there with shots or anything like that. But if he just can, just can't pull the trigger, can't pull the trigger at some point, yeah, it's going to come back to haunting. So it's something he needs to work on. But as a player, that's not a hard thing to change. You you don't have to be a slow player. That that's a big myth that everybody thinks. Well, I've got to take my time or I'm not going to hit a good shot. That's, that's so bogus. I mean, how long does it really take to pull a club and pull a trigger? So um, watching him, I was kind of hoping the kid had come back and beat him because he just wore me out how slow he was. Yeah, and kind of the he's kind of cocky. Now he backs it up. He he won the U.S. Amateur, but he is kind of a cocky personality. I don't know if you know many guys would mesh well with him, um, you know, going forward. And so he might need to look at a, a couple things that he's doing. I, I think that the main thing I even heard from some other golf fans that they turned it off as soon as they saw him regrip it about fifteen times before he took it back. Um, you know, so there's certain things about his game that I really like, and there's certain things about his game that you know need some help going forward guys I mentioned David Pooge um, and Pooge confirmed to the golf channel that he hadn't accepted any prize money from live nor has he 
nor has he inked a deal uh, with Liv. And so um, he was able to play in the USAM, guys. Do you, do you agree with that decision by the USGA that he should have been allowed to play in the USAM even though he's played uh, in every Liv event so far? It's just so crazy because I uh, I was looking at the USAM leaderboard and I thought I saw his name and I thought didn't this guy go to live and yeah. I totally just I just missed the news and then I thought well it had to be some other kid because there's no way that he'd be able to play and I guess inevitably that's the case and if he hasn't taken any prize money it's the same thing as playing in a PJ Tour event and any other term if you don't take money especially if, if we're going to try to dictate where pros can play amateurs should be able to play wherever they want if they're not going to be able to take any money so yes if he hasn't accepted any money yet I do think that was the right decision but I mean it was pretty shocking to me to see him because uh, that uh, he was especially at the uh, the NCAA Nationals I mean that was a pretty big storyline in, in the final matches that he was going to go to live because live London was the next week after that so it was pretty shocking thing and it'll be interesting to see how long you play so is he planning to go back to arizona state is that is is that what he's gonna do i'm not sure t-dub i'm not sure on that i i just read this story and it was mainly talking about the usam i can look farther into that uh for later shows uh woody i want to talk to you a little bit about ben carr coming out of georgia southern um you know obviously at willie wilcox who is a great story as his caddy um you know willie wilcox obviously was addicted to heroin and, and a lot of other drugs on the pga tour and came out last year um and and you know kind of got some help and, and now is sober and, and led ben carr all the way to the to the final match of the USAM. That's a great story. Ben Carr and Sam Bennett both lost their fathers within the last three years. So that was really cool um, to see the rainbow after the semifinals there at Ridgewood Country Club. It it was kind of a fitting uh, storyline there. But Ben Carr, as the 70th ranked player in the world, Woody, is just one of the better stories you'll ever see. I wish he could have gotten it done. But great stuff from Ben Carr this past week. A real stepping stone uh, headed into the future of his career, right, Woody? It was a. It, it's got to be such a big confidence boost for him, uh, you know. And we see that a lot in golf. We we know these guys have talent. They're, they've got a lot of talent, and sometimes it's just one week that will change their lives. And even though he didn't win the golf tournament, I think it was pretty cool that 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 Willie Wilcox was caddying for him. And I think he was a big. Oh, big bonus for, for Carr. I think Carr would have not gotten as far without Willie on the bag. Uh, however, I think Willie should have never let him hit that wood on that 31st hole. <laughs> <But> that's <laughs> another story altogether. Right. I mean, it, we're picking one hole, but all the rest of the holes, he obviously did just a phenomenal job um, guiding that young man around. I, I, I was very impressed with both of them. Uh, that Carr's got a future, and this will be a big, I think it's a big stepping stone for him as a player. A hundred percent, guys. And then what do you think of Ridgewood Country Club? I kind of alluded to it earlier. I thought it was really great to watch an old, old you know, style course and kind of reminded me a little bit of an Aronimink or a Marion. Obviously, it's up in that area. It's probably why it kind of looks like that visibly. But um, just as far as it played, I, I couldn't believe how fast they had the greens. The rough was up. Uh, it, it was all the tests that these USAM players needed, right, T-Dub? Yeah, I thought it was a great test. I mean, we, we kind of alluded to this yesterday 
on on the radio show, you know, they've had uh, four FedEx playoff events in the past. They had the senior PJ championship where Tom Watson won. They actually showing it last night. The U.S. senior open there in 1990. Uh, Lee Trevino beat Jack Nicholas by one shot. Jack actually missed like a five footer on the last hole to to tie. So I thought that was fairly interesting to see Jack miss a short putt to continue. You normally don't see that very often. But yeah, an A.W. Tillinghast course, Gilhance restoration back in 2014. So definitely has, has the things, has the minerals to be an elite golf course. And I do think they'll probably take the PGA Tour back there at some point because I, I agree with you, Sam. It's got that old classic golf course feel, a lot of really cool, unique holes. And, and in particular, the, the rough was, was really severe. It took such a premium to, to hit the fairways and then it made the approach shots even harder for there. So I couldn't agree with you more, Sam. I, I really, really love this course. Woody, have you ever played up there at Ridgewood? No, I have not. Um, I was in that area one time and I had a chance and didn't get a chance to play it. But I think what it shows you when you watch golf, if you want to make any golf course pretty hard or at least what you call a pretty good test, you do two things. You get rough that's really deep and you get greens that are really fast. And I think you can make Lincoln hard if you do that. I mean – if you're penal, where you really punish the player if he can't get the ball in the fairway, and then you have greens that are just short of scary, I think any golf course can be a little bit of a test. And that that just shows you we don't need 7,500-yard golf courses for it to be a great test. You just don't. Yeah, and T-Dub on the radio show, we talked about Hitchner and Menanti, um both – uh, losing in the semifinals. They used to be both at Pepperdine, now Dylan Minanti or Minetti. They were pronouncing it Minetti on the broadcast. I guess that they have a little bit of a family feud on how to uh, pronounce Dylan Minetti's name. Um, but he transfers uh, to North Carolina with Austin Greaser for next year. And we have the PGA Tour U preseason rankings come out this week. Um, and Fred Biundi of Florida is in the top spot. Uh, Ludwig Aberg is in second from Texas Tech, who we've talked a lot about on this show. Won the Big 12s last year. We saw him at Big 12s at Prairie Dunes. Sam Bennett is coming back for his fifth year. Remember when we thought Chikara and Sam Bennett are both coming back? That's a shocker. Well, Sam Bennett is the only one that really ends up coming back. Um, of that duo. Um, and then we have Austin Greaser at four and Travis Vick from Texas at five. Travis Vick, obviously, um, the kid that made the uh, national champ, uh, national championship winning putt uh, for Texas. Reed Davenport at six. Adrian Dumont de Chars- <laughs> Adrian Dumont de Chassart from Illinois uh, coming in at number seven. Dylan Minanti at eight. Patrick Welch from Oklahoma at 9, and then 10, Mateo Fernandez de Oliveira uh, at number 10 from Arkansas T-Dub. Any thoughts about the uh, preseason top 10 PGA Tour U rankings? Yeah, it's nice to see Patrick Welch in there in the top 10. I think he'll move up along with the two guys from OSU, Rasmus Niergaard-Peterson and Brian Stark at 12. And 14, I do expect all three of them to be inside of the top 10, hopefully battling for a top five spot once it's all coming down, said and done. And Sam, you alluded to the uh, the finals of the semifinals of the USA, and that's, that's one of my favorite days in golf because there's so much on the line for that. So if you 
if you make it to the finals, you obviously get the, the Masters exemption and the U.S. Open exemption. Sam Bennett, with winning, gets in the uh, the British Open. So a little bit more incentive that, that took place there. But, uh, but, yeah, just absolutely, absolutely thrilled with, with what the PGA Tour U is potentially going to do because I think that, Woody, at the end of the day, we mentioned this on the radio show, that it's going to be a matter of time before they announce that the uh, the top five is going to get PGA Tour cards. And I think that is something that could be really beneficial for the uh, the game of college golf. It's kind of like the preseason in football, though. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, we, That's right. we pick kids' names and we pick football teams that we think are going to excel. Um, I, you know, it's easy to pick some guys that you think are going to be the favorites, but when all the dust settles at the end of the year, we'll figure out who the top five are. I think if they do, if the PGA Tour comes out and says, hey, you've got an automatic card if you're one of those top five guys, that's going to put a whole lot more pressure on those kids as they come through their seniors or junior years, whatever it might be. So it will cause, I think, some guys, though, maybe to leave early. If you're a sophomore or a junior and you've got a chance, you're one of those top five and they're throwing out that spot, you might see some guys um, bolt just because that's such a big deal to have that PGA card to get out there and go. That's the only thing that's scary about that. But I, we'll see what happens. I just, I'm not much on preseason. Let's get the let's get the ball on the ground and let's <laughs> see who can really do it. I like that too, Woody. I'm kind of of that thought as well as far as preseason rankings go. Let's round out the USAMT dub. I, I have this question for you, and, and to me, I think the USAM is the hardest tournament to win in all of golf, considering the two rounds of stroke play, the 300-some players in the in the field, and then you have to obviously go through the top 64 um, in match play. To me, I think it's the hardest tournament to win. Not only is it, you know, the, the toughest field in amateur golf. I think it's also um, kind of the most tiring tournament in all of golf, even even including professional golf. I think that the winning the USAM is something that should be a little more coveted than it even is uh, in the modern day. Absolutely agree, Sam. The USAM is one of my favorite tournaments. You know, obviously Bobby Jones claims it for all of his most of his majors. So I mean, it's a different time, different era. But <laughs> the, the prestige of the the prestige of the tournament is still there. You know, for the guys who made it to the finals yesterday, I mean, they're playing like you mentioned the two rounds of stroke play. Then you play how many ever matches? That's one, two, three, four, five. You so you play five matches leading up to the finals where you play thirty six holes. So that's what nine rounds of golf in is it six or seven days? Whatever it is, still nevertheless that's that's a lot of golf. So yeah, what I mean, it's for someone like me who, who's slightly overweight. I mean, I, there's no way I'll be able to make it through that much golf. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're honest. I would say that the U.S. Amateur is right there, but I'll tell you one I think is even harder to win is the U.S. Junior Amateur because it has an age limit on it. Tiger said the same thing. About that. And yeah. They almost play the same kind of format for the U.S. Junior. That's what's so impressive about Tiger. You know, Tiger wins three U.S. Juniors and then wins three U.S. Amateurs. Now, Again, you, you just can't – we can go on for days about how good Tiger Wood is, but if you keep looking at it, you go, holy cow, isn't that something? No, you're exactly right. I, I think that a lot of people would agree with the fact that the U.S. Junior is harder to win multiple times. I, I still would say, Woody, that I think the U.S. Am is just harder to win one time just because of the level of competition, maybe. 
very true. Very true. I think that's a great point because by that age and the competition, you've got so many different ages like Hagestad. Yeah. Know, so right. it, was, it was pretty, pretty impressive. 100% guys, let's hit a break here and then on the other side of the break we'll get into who qualified for the President's Cup, we'll also get into some Tiger Woods talk, we'll get into some uh, Alan Shipnuck talk, um, and then we will end the show with something fun here on the 73rd Old Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back on the other side of the break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And I want to remind everybody that on August 29th, time's running out, by the way, to get a team at the End Alzheimer's Golf Tournament, hashtag ALZ Golf Tournament at Oak Tree family side on August 29th, put on by Tyler Marks. You can call him at 405-205-0662. That's 405-205-0662 to get your spot in the hashtag NALZ golf tournament. Guys, we will be out there and Woody, I have stayed true to what I said. I have not touched a club since you told me not to. I am very excited to see how our games are on August 29th for the NALZ Scramble. So, guys, let's go into a little bit um, of some other stuff that we didn't talk about after the second playoff event. Let's go to the President's Cup and who who has uh, locked in a spot for the President's Cup. Let's go to the international team. You have Corey Connors, Sungjae Im, um, Tom Kim, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, Joaquin Neiman, Mito Pereira, Adam Scott, and Cam Smith. Now, obviously, Cam Smith is a little bit of a I don't know right now, um, but of those guys... Do you think that that's a solid squad that could possibly beat the U.S. team? I don't, do I think they can beat the U.S. team? Maybe if they play 100 times, maybe 15, I, yeah. in all honesty. I mean, the U.S. team is pretty stacked. So if you find Needle in a haystack, there's a, a chance of that. But I, I think, too, I, like you just mentioned, the Cam Smith thing is going to be extremely interesting because the international team is missing one very prolific name, and that's Abraham Answer. I mean, there's no reason that he that's should right. not be on that team. And, and he's not playing because he's on live. I think it's an absolute travesty, Woody. And it, it, I think that Cam Smith is probably going to announce after the Tour Championship, and I think it's going to put 
the uh, the president's cut between a rock and a hard place because they're not going to know if well because if they ban Cam Smith, the international team is not going to be very good at all, and then I think the U.S. team will absolutely dominate. So I guess that from a U.S. fans' perspective, Woody, I think it's a, probably a good thing for us as a team. But this is a, this is one of those tournaments that we generally win, and we don't put near as much emphasis on this as we did the Ryder Cup. No, we don't, and and they've tried really hard to make this something special, but I, I it'll never be as big as the Ryder Cup, but. It will have implications. It will show us kind of what we might look forward to next year when the Ryder Cup comes around. Because if you lose a Cam Smith off that international team, let alone Adrian Answer, which I'm I'm big on him too, but Cam Smith, man, that is huge. And and where we we did lose Dustin Johnson, okay. We lost Bryson DeChambeau, which I'm not saying he would be just a world beater if he played the President's Cup. We've lost a couple guys off the U.S. team, too, because of Liv. But if you look at how we're stacked, and and hopefully after after the, uh, oh, I guess after this last tournament, we see who else is going to uh, live. That might change it, too, because we don't know. Is Shoffley thinking about it? Is Cantley thinking about it? Who's thinking about it? We don't know yet. So we, we could say it's not going to affect, but it, it could also affect that, too. 100%. And of the U.S. guys that are locked into the President's Cup team, you have Sam Burns, Patrick Cantley, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas of the newbies that would be Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler to the President's Cup. I mean, those that's a pretty solid six guys there. I mean, you have Sam Burns who was the hottest player at one point on the PGA Tour this year. You have Patrick Cantlay who is unbelievable in the playoffs TW. You have uh, Tony Finau, who has been the hottest player over probably the past month, uh, if you don't include Patrick Cantlay here this week. Um, Xander Shoffley, always solid, especially in match play. Scotty Scheffler won the Masters and was the hottest player um, at the start of this year. And then Justin Thomas is the veteran on the team uh, of those six guys. Obviously, we'll have captain's picks and everything like that. Um, but of those six guys, I mean, the U.S. just looks like the overwhelming favorite here coming up in the President's Cup. There's no doubt about it. Then you even look at, at the guys that they have after that. Obviously, Will Zalatoris' health is in question, so we'll kind of leave him as a questionable mark. But then you got Spieth, Morikawa, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Cam Young round out the, the top 12. So that's very, very solid there. But I will say this. If, if Zalatoris is not able to play against it, go with someone else, then go from 13 to 20, you got Tom Hoagie, JT Poston, Kevin Kisner, Cameron Chingali, Maverick McNeely. Scott Stallings down there at 18th moved up from 28th, so he might actually have a chance to get on there. So very, very interesting. But, you know, Woody just mentioned the names of, you know, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, even yep. Patrick Reed, who no one likes. Very, very good team player. Could, could come in handy if, if Zalatoris isn't able to play. Don't forget a guy like Taylor Gooch that could have possibly snuck into that squad Absolutely. as well. A hundred percent. And let's get to Alan Shipnuck's reports from the Fire Pit Collective uh, this past week. And it was talking about what happened in those Tiger-led players meetings last week. And um, let, let's first start with the seven players that are set to be announced to be joining Live after the playoffs conclude. All of them participated in Memphis. 
What are your thoughts on potential, you know, the direction of the PGA Tour? That's something they talked about uh, and how to keep those top 20 guys happy. Obviously, Alan Shipnuck also confirmed uh, our report from last week, the $500,000 figure for the lower guys uh, guaranteed money. So obviously kind of their version of a guaranteed, uh, you know, veteran minimum or something like that that we see in the NBA, guys. And so what are your overall thoughts on the seven players and and who you think those might be? And then also Alan Shipnuck confirming um, the $500,000 guarantee. And then obviously if they don't make it, the tour owes them however much um, they didn't make out of that $500,000, T-Dub. Uh, like we like we mentioned when you were the first to report it, Sam, I think that it's an extremely positive move, something that should have happened a long time ago for the 500000 That's just a, a, a bare minimum that a tour player should have to be able to make sure their finances are covered. They shouldn't. A tour player should never lose money. They've made it to, to the highest level of golf. You shouldn't have to go out there and not make a dime. It makes absolutely no sense. I'm really happy that they're moving in that direction. As far as the seven players who, who they announced are going to live, it's very fascinating because – everyone's kind of made fun of Greg Norman because he's come out and said all 48 spots are, are filled and they're not even recruiting anymore. And I, I do think they still are maybe some of the top players, but there's definitely going to be a lot, a lot of movement after this church championship, or maybe let's just say, for example, if Cantley and Shoffley have been rumored, then they may wait till after the president's cup to do it. Who knows? Um, I do think it's interesting that Cantley was at the players meeting of the 22 players as well, that the PJ tour players have discussed the possibility of talking to live at some point. So, I think that that is something that probably is, I don't know if it's inevitable, but it's something that is probably going to get more steam within the next, I'd say, probably year, definitely leading up to probably the Masters, Woody. One thing we know for sure, Tiger is like, well, what did I say? He's dumb like a fox because he's not dumb. And his agent, Steinberg, is even smarter. I think it's ironic. They waited till this very last, almost the very last minute, till everybody was all stirred up, and Tiger comes riding in on the big white horse and says, guys, I'm not happy with what you're doing here. Let me tell you what we're going to do. And I'm going to make sure all of you make a lot of money. You just trust me. And it's kind of like E.F. Putman. He talks, people listen, okay? And I think he decided that was the week to stop all this oh, turmoil, for better saying, of what's going on. And I think he wanted everybody to know, I'm all in. This PGA Tour is not going away. I'm going to tell you guys that we're going to do this, and we're going to fix it right. And I think it's going to be a big – I think it's a big blow to live. I, I really do, that Tiger said, no, 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 I'm all in. I'm going to get this thing right. Hundred so, percent, Woody. I mean, uh, apparently from Alan Shipman's reports, right. uh, Woody. I, I mean, he even said that the vibe of the meeting was Tiger coming in and basically saying, "I made this PGA Tour, and you guys are messing it up." Right? <laughs> well, he, he's got a he's got a good point, and his legacy. Tiger is all about legacy. He and money moves him. Don't think it doesn't, but I think he'll make more money on the backside by helping get this thing organized and get this other tour started. What's kind of ironic about this is what could happen, guys. Greg Norman, back in the early 90s, got squelled on the world tour by Tim Fincher. <laughs> he had this thing figured out, and they, they, they stuck their foot on him. 
Well, now he's got this live and it's starting to rock. And here comes Tiger Woods. <laughs> if if there's one guy that can put a halt to to live as we know it, it's Tiger. Tiger, if he gets his mind set on this guys and he wants them to go away, I think he'll figure a way to get them out of it. Now, T Dub, I will say that Tiger is in business with the PGA Tour in other areas, and it's kind of in his best interest to be on the side of the PGA Tour. We'll get to that in a little bit, but some other things that were discussed in this players' meeting, T-Dub, the players discussed potential for an 18-event tour within the tour where 60 top players would compete in two WGC-style events per month with $20 million purses. What are your thoughts on that, T-Dub? I think that that is probably the second most start or second most impactful thing I think I heard from Alan Shetner's report. Just from the fact of it seems like it's very similar to what Liv's doing in the aspect. I mean, Liv has fourteen events with forty eight players. This is at eighteen events with sixty players, and the purses are are very comparable. So it's it's very very interesting. I do I think from a viewer's perspective, it'd be great to watch. I, I would love to see that if that happened. I think it would be super cool and make for some really good events, especially as they get to go to some phenomenal golf courses. So I think that that is a positive thing. It's just funny that they're that Woody that they seem to be adapting a lot of things from Live like they've already done in the past, and how much how many changes they've made in such a short span is really really astonishing. Yeah, where's the money from, Woody? Well, we're we're all stupid if we don't think the PGA Tour has had just buckets full of money laying around. They just hadn't had to use it because nobody's pressured them the way Liv has. So if 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 they do what they're talking about, it if shit's not right and this is something they got going in the back room and they're figuring this all out. It's basically if you can't stop them, if they can't stop Liv, they gotta come up with something that's as close to it or better than live. And that is what they're doing. And and we we've, we've said guys back when this all started back in March, April, May, when we all were starting to be live fans and we said, Hey, this is great, this is great. So obviously anybody that sits around and says the PGA tour was not worried about live, well they're fooling themselves because they're hammering they the panic putting, button right now. I, I mean, they are hammering panic and they have to, they're having to jump through hoops to do things as fast as they possibly can to squell this. And I'm going to tell you guys, if we don't see another really big name, let's say Cam Smith all of a sudden backs out of that deal with Liv or Cantley or Shaftley. Um, it, it any of these guys that we call the big big studs out there decide not to go, then that means the PGA Tour is up, or Tiger is up to no good. He's he's putting together something that's keeping them. So this, hey, without live guys, we'd have a really boring podcast, wouldn't we? Hundred <laughs> percent. I think we would too. And Woody. <laughs> I think the most impactful thing, and I want to go to you first on this since you played on the PGA Tour, the most impactful report 
from Alan Shipnuck was that the tour could possibly relinquish its nonprofit status, which would open up the possibility of private investments from billionaires such as a JP McManus, where players like Tiger and Rory would have equity stakes. Are you kidding me? Now it took live uh, to kind of show the PGA Tour that they're doing uh, business the wrong way. I, I, I hesitate to even say business because they say that they're a nonprofit. Woody, I mean, clearly they were a nonprofit organization that was just holding money, you know, back from all these, not just players, but anywhere that they could make the tour better, they were just giving to guys, uh, top officials like Jay Monahan and, and just holding it back. To me, I think that that's the best news possible that Tiger comes in there and he's like, the PGA Tour should relinquish its nonprofit status. Right, T- right, Woody? I think it's, I mean, really, guys, we're very lucky. We're sitting in something here that we'll look back at. This is going to change the game of golf. Totally. Shame on the PGA Tour that they didn't have the foresight or proactiveness enough to look at saying, hey, we can grow this, make this bigger. We can do a lot of things. It took lives for all this to come about, I guess it's just like anything else in life. If if you've got the only store and nobody else has any stores and you're just selling millions of dollars worth of goods and you're happy with it, okay. But when another guy opens up a store down the street and he starts selling, then you go, hey, you, you can't do that. I'm the only store. Well, no, no, you're not anymore. And kudos to live we can cuss live if you're one of those golf you know colby god love it he's not here <laughs> but they can cuss live all they want pga tour can cuss live all they want but when it's all said and done you know what live is going to be the best thing they ever had to golf in my opinion t-dub what are your thoughts on the pga tour possibly relinquishing the nonprofit status i think it's by far the most impactful thing that's come out of this report is going to absolutely change that what the way that like what he just said it's going to change golf it's going to change PJ Tour it's going to potentially I don't know how it'll impact Live but it's just it's so crazy how the impact that Live has had up to this point like you said the the potential for the private investing is what gets me because you could generate so much more money in the PJ even more than what they've already getting because you know they already have all all the charity stuff and all that so they figure out some way to keep all that still going on so it's. I, it's, a, it's a great move. I think it's something that's been long overdue, just like you said. It's it's something that is going to be so revolutionary and impactful over the next, I don't know, probably 20 or 30 years. It's going to take a while, I think, before we start seeing the, the extra extreme magnifications of this. But if, it, if they can get the ball rolling, I'm not sure exactly how long the process takes to go from a nonprofit to a, a private a private group. So it's uh, very, very, very fascinating stuff, and that's something I'm going to be keeping my eye on because, like we like we just alluded to these last five minutes, it's going to be absolutely revolutionary. It's one of the biggest one of the biggest news stories of the 2022 year. That's not going to get enough talk, in my opinion. And but T Dub, I mean. We talked about all the things that were great for the PGA Tour to come out of this meeting. Now, let's talk about one thing that was solid for Liv to come out of this meeting. Certain PGA Tour pros, apparently, according to Alan Shipnuck in this meeting, 
discussed the possibility of talking to Liv at some point. And so imagine a world where there's a merger between Liv and the PGA Tour for these WGC events, uh, the 18 events. And, and these players are basically saying, and we've talked to a bunch of players, even if they're pro PGA Tour they aren't against talking to live to make a better product. And T-Dub, to me, it seems obvious that you would want to have a merger with Liv for these 18 events, right? It seems like the most, I'm not sure if logical is the right word, but it does seem like thing that would make the most sense. Just because, like I, I mentioned to you earlier, the similarities between the, the two entities. And the Liv purse is added up to, I believe, $25 million compared to, to $20 million as as this is proposed. So, I mean, you could get those purses and could even have even more money going on. I think that it's, it's something that may happen down the line. But I do think that what's clear about that, Sam, is that it seems like the turf players at some point wanted to have talks with Liv and see what the possibilities were from the two. But it uh, seemed like maybe the commissioner and some other people – uh, in the front offices didn't want to allow that to happen. And I think that is, I think that's one of the things that was probably discussed at the players meeting and something that some people probably aren't very happy with. And Woody, to that point, was this kind of one of those situations where Tiger comes in and then obviously Jay Monahan had his question and answer with the players the next day, but basically Tiger's meeting was basically the players saying, look, this is what we want. This is what we need and you're either going to take it or we're going to go to live, right? I think so. And, and I think when you really look at this, we've said all along, Liv has, Liv has really called the PGA Tour's hand on a lot of things. You know what it kind of reminds me of? I'm not on it, but a lot of people are on Facebook. And, and you notice how people on Facebook always put out highlight reels about all their life? Nobody ever puts on Facebook, hey, I had diarrhea today in the worst way. You know, they're always talking <laughs> about something positive on Facebook. Oh, I got this. I got this. Well, that was what the PGA Tour was saying. Hey, no, no, no. We're the greatest tour in the world. We're all this. We're all this. Well, then in a closed room, Tiger Woods comes in and say, hey, we're not all this. We can be better. We want to do this. And now all of a sudden, they're looking at the same kind of like what T-Dub was saying. These two tours are starting to look a lot alike, what they're talking about, aren't they? So it, it, it is ironic to me that we were the best, PGA Tour. We are that. We are all this and a bucket of chicken. But are we? Because we, no, they're not. Because your biggest, most prolific player, Tiger Woods, comes in in one meeting and says, no, we don't like where we're going. We want to do this. <laughs> Okay, well, Jay Monahan, $14 million man, is just going to say, yes, Mr. Tiger, whatever you want to do is what he's going to say. <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. And, guys, by the way, if you're in the Oklahoma City area, please go to Ring Family Dentistry if you need any work done on your teeth. They go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Leading-edge technology, they do it all. Implants, clear liner, orthodontics, they got you covered. All decisions are made. Made by the patient. If they can't show you why treatment is needed, they won't prescribe it. They explain their opinion and answer any questions, but they ultimately leave all decisions up to the patient. Go see our friends at Ring Family Dentistry. Go give them a Google. I know Drs. Phil and Brennan Ring personally. 
and they will get you taken care of here in Oklahoma City at Ring Family Dentistry. Guys, I did a little bit of homework by myself on this PGA Tour 2K uh, announcement that Tiger Woods made on Twitter Tiger announced that he will be the cover athlete for PGA Tour 2K, which is the video game. He will be on the cover for the first time since 2013, guys. Um, It's set to come out in October, I think. Uh, And let me look this up to make sure I'm correct on this. Yes, October 14th. It will be released in October 11th. Um, The Tiger Woods edition of the game will come out uh, for pre-order. Guys, I did some homework, and basically when I alluded earlier that Tiger Woods is is in business and, and it's in his best interest to be on the side of the PGA Tour, a video game might not sound like very much. But But listen to these numbers here. So in 2021... PGA Tour 2K sold 2.5 million units. Let's say that they sold them for 70 a game, which would equal 175 million, not including people buying things within the game. And so let's say that they doubled those numbers with Tiger Woods being the cover athlete now, now signed on to 2K. And obviously Tiger Woods uh, signed with 2K, which is, by the way, 2K is a company just like EA Sports. EA Sports is partnered with Augusta National. We can get to that in later shows. But my point here is Tiger Woods signs with 2K in March of 2021 for an undisclosed amount. So let's say that those numbers double with Tiger Woods being on the cover of 2K23. That would mean that 5 million units would be sold at $100 a game, which would be $500 million, not including the money that is used to buy things within the game. And so, guys, to me, that means that Tiger doing this PGA Tour 2K, being on the cover of it, that means that he's at least getting $50 million out of the $500 million to me. And that's just me being skeptical and, and kind of, uh, you know, guessing on his contract number. But, guys, he is in this for millions and millions and millions of dollars, T-Dub. I think this is a bigger deal than people realize. Well, Sam, you kind of alluded to it earlier with the in-game purchases. Microtransactions of our video games make essentially all their money now because with, with outfits and all that, you look at the uh, the bonus edition, it comes with a, a, a Tiger Woods essentially outfit and you get some uh, tailor-made wedges for, for your character and a lot of people will pay for that. I mean, I saw that and it made me perk up. I said, man, that's something I have to look into just because, I mean, it's cool. I mean, if you're a Tiger fan, you want to get that stuff. And so you're going to have stuff that comes out even after the game. It's just going to be essentially a type of passive income for Tiger. He's just going to sit back and, you know, put out a put out a two thousand outfit of tiger. Put out a two thousand five outfit of tiger. Do do a, a baby tiger like they had in, in the first games or whatever. I mean, you could do all that stuff. Sell them for ten bucks, five bucks a pop, whatever. Even twenty bucks. People but, pay for that, and that's just going to keep coming in. Real quick, you say passive income. However. Tiger was reported by Forbes last year to have made $60 million off the course. What I'm saying is these numbers, these units that I just gave, that's per year on PGA Tour 2K. He could be basically making easily what he made off the course last year as reported by Forbes just by this video game, T-Dub. There, there is definitely a possibility uh, of that for sure. I mean, the, the golf games, even we know how, how great the old PlayStation games were. I mean, the 2004, 2005 were some of the best games ever made. And if they can, if 2K can, can create some of that, we know what 
uh, NBA 2K has been like with the, with their microtransactions. So we know that they're going to do something similar in the golf game. So it's just going to keep coming out and out and out. Then if they're able to produce a game every single year, I think it's been what? It's been two or three years now since the Justin Thomas game came out. Nevertheless, if they're able to start pumping these out every single year, it's going to be even more money coming in, especially if, uh, you know, as long as Tiger keeps doing this. And it sounds like the deal is, is probably for multiple years. I'd be shocked if it's less than 10 years. Woody, obviously, I don't think you're sitting at home playing on your PS5 very often, but what are your thoughts on these money uh, these money numbers? I mean, I, I feel like this is a bigger deal than people are letting on. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big video game guy. You're right. Um, <laughs> what, what you can look at, though, is who was making still, what golfer was making still more money besides maybe Tiger? than any other golfer when he was 60, 70, almost 80 years old. That's Arnold Palmer. Amen. Okay. Again, Tiger Woods, not only was he one of the most phenomenal golfers we ever got to watch, he's a smart man. He he understands his body is done. He plays because he wants to keep his name out there. But watch what he does in the next 20 years about his income. He will make more money in the next 20 years than he did playing golf by far. Won't even be close. It'll be astronomical when you stop and look at what he will make, not only by these video games, his golf course designs. Um, you mentioned to me earlier, Sam, about that stadium thing that him and Roy are talking about. Top we'll golf get to that stadium. in a second, yep. Uh, yeah, he's got he's got his fingers in more things than you can possibly imagine, let alone this little deal he's talking about doing with those top 60 players. Tiger's going to get a cut of this, too. Trust me. He's, he's going to have his hand in more things than you can even imagine. Uh, kudos again to brilliant people. He has the name, he has the ability, and he has the people around him that point him in the right directions. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much money he can make, but I wish he'd just drop a little bucket now and then. I'd follow behind him and pick it up because I'd be really rich. And, T-Dub, this situation between 2K and EA Sports is going to be very interesting because EA Sports does have the contract with Augusta National and the majors. And so, you know, obviously PGA Tour 2K has the contract with PGA Tour and Tiger Woods. So it's kind of Tiger Woods and the PGA Tour going up against the majors in EA Sports, right? And so it'll be interesting to see who has the better game. I think that there'll be more playable players um, with PGA Tour 2K. And obviously, they have the course design aspect to 2K that I assume they would keep. And that would kind of allow people to design those major courses and still, you know, have the better game with uh, with Tiger's game. That's why I'm expecting Tiger's game uh, with PGA Tour 2K to kind of double in units in the fact that uh, he's on the cover this year. It's they still had 2.5 or 2.5 million units in 2021, even though uh, the game came out three years ago with Justin Thomas on the cover. I think that Tiger's venture here with the PGA Tour in uh, 2K uh, Sports is going to be a big, big thing. And and what are your kind of final thoughts on that? 
Yeah, so I mean, just some of the other golfers that are going to be in the game. You got JT, Lexi Thompson, Finau, Lydia Ko, Morikawa, Zalatoris, Brooke Henderson. So that's a pretty good lineup right there. You mentioned the course creator. That's something that's extremely cool. I think that's going to get uh, a lot more people, even um, not as many as Tiger being on the cover, obviously. But one thing that's interesting, uh, Sam, reading up here is that, you know, you'll be able to get a lot of different types of equipment in the game. So you can get like Nike, TaylorMade, uh, FootJoy, Titleist, Puma. Callaway, uh, Cobra, Mizuno, Odyssey, those types of things, uh, Bridgestone. So the question is, are is are they going to be able to put that equipment in the Augusta game? Because if the Augusta game is just having generic what fill-in whatever and not going to be able to get the rights to these equipment, then I think that's going to really dilute it as well. So Tiger on the cover is going to get so many more people to 2K that I think even Augusta will, which is crazy to say, but that's how much that he moves the needle, especially for non-golf fans, because there's people who just play golf casually who are going to go get the Tiger game because not only is he on the cover, but it also brings back the memories of the old EA games. It's just going to be because Tiger's on the cover. It's going to uh, attract that crowd. So I I think 2K is going to probably end up winning this battle, Sam, when it's all said and done. A hundred percent. And then T-Dub, there was some other big Tiger news with Rory. They might be heading to some stadiums. Is that correct? That's what it seems like. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting thing that that came out talking about how, yeah, they're going to go to stadiums. Seemed like that was one of the things I was talking about in the players' meetings that some of the players could get in as, a, you know, a business ventures, that kind of thing. So it was uh, get some investing going on. So I think that was very, very cool. It's going to be interesting. I don't know how popular it, it will end up being. Well, explain, Maybe the, by know, the way, the, T-Dub, I, I think we talked about it off air. So explain what, what they're going to be doing at the stadiums. In all honesty, Sam, it wasn't that much that really came out about it. Just that it was just a technologically thing. I know they mentioned a little bit that maybe like a top golf esque thing, maybe some targets, maybe a simulator. I'm not exactly sure on that. It, it was pretty, pretty vague on exactly what it would be, but it seemed like it was a Tiger Rory com- combination thing, and they're going to try to get some more players to go to it, and they're going to go to stadiums, is what was reported. So uh, look for some more things to come out. Probably it's going to be about a year or so. We'll probably hear some rumblings or stuff between now and then but uh it's going to be interesting i don't know how popular it will be but it's something that i will definitely be into and with how popular top golf and other things have been like that i think that it'll be uh, super cool to see what uh, what the possibilities are especially with tiger and rory behind it okay so there's been conflicting reports guys uh no laying up podcast just uh reported that there were other reports that Cam Smith was in the meeting, but the PGA Tours players meeting, according to No Laying Up, had all 30 guys except for Cam Smith, Matsuyama, Sungjae Im, Tommy Fleetwood, Corey Connors, um, and Kim. So, guys, I, I think that that might be a pretty good indication on, on part of those seven guys going to live. Maybe, Woody, what are your initial thoughts on that? Here's what's fun. Every day we get up we don't know what's going to happen do we (laughs) i think golf is i think golf's more fun now than i've ever seen it in all my years being around golf i i just am fascinated with how many storylines and how much is going on all over the world with golf and i i can't believe that live in six months has stirred a pot this much it is it's mind-boggling to me to think what they have been able to accomplish in six to seven months with what is going on in golf as we know it and 
and we got to be honest, guys. That's the only reason why all this is going on. They did it. They they forced the hand. So I I'm just so fascinated by it. I can't wait for this East Lake to get over with, so we can see what's going on next. I mean, that's what's more fun to me than watching the golf tournament. T-Dub, any final thoughts on that? Maybe some seven guy, maybe some of the seven guys going to live or your final thoughts before we get into our Eastlake preview on Wednesday? So just for, just for uh, listeners' sake, Sam, what, who were the last seven guys that you mentioned who, who were not at the players' meeting? Let me pull that back up again, T-Dub. It was... Uh, so according to No Laying Up podcast, the PGA Tour players meeting had all 30 guys except for Cam Smith, Matsuyama, Sung J M, Corey Connors, and Kim. Okay, very nice. So that, yeah, I, I don't know if all those guys are going to live. There's, there's a chance that it would be. I mean, obviously, a lot of those guys have been have been rumored to go. It's it's just it, that that is fairly telling that 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 there was conflicting reports that Cam Smith was there, not there. It's uh, just shows that the secret to the, the you know the exclusivity of the meeting. Sorry, it's hard for me to talk right now, but uh, yeah, I'm just I'm like Woody. I'm just so interested to see how this pans out, and I think that it's a it's going to be a long, venturous road. And you know, as uh, as someone just sitting back on the sidelines is extremely fun to watch, but uh, I'm not sure I'd want to be in the middle of it because I bet some things could probably get heated over the next uh, few months or years. It's definitely going to get heated considering that the lawsuit is still going on. I think that this is probably the most revolutionary time in the history of golf, or at least in the modern era, Woody, right? It's like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, I, I, and, and that's why I'm so fascinated by it. And and you know why I used to watch golf, guys? is So I could take a nap. Um <laughs> Because that's usually what golf did to me. Is it, it made me just go to sleep. So, not anymore. I mean, I can't wait to watch a broadcast to, to hear rocks being thrown or negative things being said about this tour or that or whatever it might be. So, it is a it is a completely crazy world. I wish I was your all's age to watch how it all came out over the next 30, 40 years. No, I don't. I don't want to go back that far. Heck, I, I've already screwed it up once. I don't want that again. Um, but I, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I think it's going to be great for golf, and that's all it matters to me. Is anything that's good for golf, I'm all in. By the way, guys, to end the show, I do want to update people on the Cootie Twins who turned pro earlier this year after leaving Texas. Uh, Pearson Cootie won in his third start on the Corn Ferry Tour. That was a few weeks ago. Um, But Parker just won in his sixth start on PGA Tour Canada. He shot 27 under and won by eight. Uh, So the Cootie Twins clearly making their way to the PGA Tour. That's the kind of stuff that we talk about when we say that PGA Tour U should have uh, PGA Tour cards uh, applied to that instead of Corn Ferry cards. Um, Also, guys, Woody, I got to ask you, we asked this at the end of the radio show, we saw Rory McIlroy uh, throw the remote control golf ball in the water over this past weekend. To end the show, what is the craziest thing that you've ever seen on a golf course? Maybe a story time with Woody segment here. Well, oh man, there's so many. But I'll tell you one of the craziest things I ever saw on the golf course. I was playing in Phoenix, and I was paired with Ken Green. And uh, Ken Green was an interesting cat. Uh, that 
I'm going back. I'm dating you. You guys might not even know who Ken Green was. He used to wear a green glove. And now this dude could play. He could really play, but he was not playing very good in Phoenix. And we were on the front nine, and he'd had a couple of bad holes, and he'd already broken, I think, one or two clubs. But then he got to the eighth hole, and he hit a bad shot, and he went over there, and they used to have these cardboard trash cans that were held up by rebar. And he went after this trash can, and he whacked his club into it, and the club got stuck inside you know it cut through the box and got stuck in the trash <laughs> and he's trying to get this thing out and the trash is going everywhere and i mean it looked like a monkey with a football okay <laughs> it was the craziest thing and i'm just sitting there watching this because i i might have been on tour one or maybe two years top so i'm still kind of a rookie and i'm watching this guy just go absolutely nuts and he finally gets the club out of the trash can, but he breaks it doing it. He plays number nine. He doesn't say anything to it. Nothing. He says no words after this just total destruction of this golf of this uh, trash can. <laughs> he goes up and tees off on nine, plays nine, and then he walks over to me and he hands me my card and he goes, "I'm done." That's all he said. I'm done. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't say sorry, guys. I, I wasn't much fun to play nine holes with, which he wasn't. But that was the dangest thing as far as a gallery goes. I never really saw anybody in the gallery try what we're seeing now, come down with a remote control golf ball. That was the dangest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, I've seen a lot of gallery people say something to a tour pro, and the tour pro respond in a negative way. And most time it's, you know, giving them the – the high five type uh, um, salute, uh, but um, <laughs> nothing like that. That was the dangest thing I've ever seen. You know what worries me about that more than anything, guys? Though, What's I'm that? worried about security. How about security when a guy can walk right down by the green where those guys are putting? I know, and nobody do anything. Or how about when that guy walked on the tee box with Roy? It seems like they love Rory. Where he goes over there and he gets his club out of his bag and takes a couple of practice swings. Where where is security? How do these people get down that close to the golfers? Is what I want to know. It, it, it's it a really pretty is stealthy crazy. reconnaissance needed. Well, it seriously is. I mean, like it's some Assassin's Creed stuff, man. Where you just gotta sneak around and <laughs> you know pause when people are looking, hide in the bushes, and then just jump out with a moment's ride. But I think me- that it's. Uh, T-Dub, I don't even think you have to hide in the bushes. I mean, we've been to some tournaments and, and even the major championship up here at the PGA at Southern Hills. I mean, if you have a lanyard and a badge that looks pretty reputable, I mean, you're getting inside the ropes for at least, you know, a hole or two. Oh, it, it cannot be understated anymore how much, how much the security needs and, and up at, at these PGA Tour tournaments. I mean, like you said, we saw it at the PGA Championship. I mean, but with the exception of Tiger Woods, who it was fairly hard to get around, but that honestly had to do more just how many people were there as opposed to, you know, the security and all that. But, but yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that it, it's become too easy. I think it's one of the things that happens with golf becoming more popular, right, is that when there's more people going in these tournaments, you need to vamp up more security. It has to be yet yeah, that so many security people per how many people that'll be there. So it's a it's a un, unintended consequence of golf getting popular, more popular, in my opinion. A hundred percent. If you Very ever true. want to get inside the ropes, just act like you know what you're doing, right, Woody? <laughs> oh, I, by far, I I couldn't agree with that more. And and and, and just to kind of what what D Dub was talking about there. 
if if you think about how much golf is growing, if you look at just sheer numbers, if you've got you know ten thousand people, you might have one nut. You start getting fifty, sixty thousand people, you're going to have more than one nut. You're going to have three or four nuts, and you need to you just need to be paying attention. Which so I have more than one. It worries nut. me. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> we should probably end the show right there, guys. Uh, Scotty Scheffler in the top spot, headed into East Lake. We will be back with the full Tour Championship preview on Wednesday. That was Jim Woodward of Oak Tree National and Taylor Williams. I was Sam Humphreys. Thank you so much for listening to the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>